RadioInfluence.com. All righty, we got, I've got a special person today. How many people have you met in your life that are just put on this earth to bring about joy, man, to other people? How many that are truly blessed? There's something about them that are different. Let's see, on my hand, all my years of living, I would say three or four. Tony Dungy is one, the Super Bowl winning coach, Indianapolis Colts. He turned the culture around Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is on NBC, uh, Sunday night game, pregame, halftime, postgame. Tony Dungy. Leroy Selman, the great Leroy Selman, the Selman brothers, Louie, Dewey, and Leroy out of Oklahoma. Leroy uh, is up and he's up there. He's up there. Leroy, how you doing? Uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer. He's special. There's something just special about him. And my guest today on the Rock Stops here, he's a Major League Baseball player. He was drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers. He was in the Kansas City Royals organization, and now he's an outfielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. His name is Brett Phillips. If you don't know about Brett Phillips, just Google Brett Phillips, little girl with cancer or girl with cancer. Oh, my God. It's on YouTube. You can see the story. I knew about it because I live here. Brett Phillips, besides making it to the top as a Major League Baseball player, He signs autographs and takes pictures with fans and especially kids for at least a half hour before every single game. I got video. Follow me on my social media at real rock Riley, Instagram and Twitter or rock Riley on Facebook. And I'll, I'll, I'm posting the, the video, how long the line is. And this is before every game. If I'm 28 years old and I'm trying to still stay in the major leagues, you think I'm going to do that for every fan? No way. He, he, There's something about him. He wants to give back. And, and the story, oh, my God, on YouTube, go check it out. Little girl, she's got cancer. She's eight years old. She's had cancer since she's two years old. And her favorite player was Brett Phillips. She's threw out a first pitch. First time he met her. She gives him a bracelet. He puts it on. And then he hits a home run while she's there and it's the farthest ball that he's ever hit. And Oh my God. I mean, that's just one mind. That's one story with Brett Phillips. So what I'm going to do is let me play this for you. We sat down at Tropicana field on the back end. I'll, I'll give you the setup on how it all went down on the fly again. And, uh, and then I'll tell you, we, we, I got plenty of stories with the NFL draft, um, being on a radio show where these guys are best friends and have such great chemistry. Uh, there's a couple of different stories I got. So I'll hit you on the back end. But let me get to my guest. Outfielder, Tampa Bay Rays, playing in his hometown. He grew up not far from Tropicana Field. And he's just a winner. Wait do you hear this. Here he is, Brett Phillips. All right, Brett. Now, I always started out by saying that, you know, the rock stops here is how you made it to the top. Now, you made it to Major League Baseball, but I think with you, it's making it to the top in life. Congratulations on all your success on and off the field. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate you recognizing uh, not only as a major league 
athlete, you know, major league baseball player, but just a, a man of character, someone who feels so blessed to have the platform that he has. And, you know, I feel like I've been blessed so much to bless others. Uh, that's my mindset. And, you know, I'm going to continue to to live that way for the rest of my life. Uh, because, uh, for me, you know, my, my faith, you know, God has shown up for me more times than not. And I would be doing a disservice to not only him, but the people around me who have supported me and are grinding in their own lives to, you know, if, if I didn't exude and show just love and respect and thankful and gratefulness on a daily basis, then I would be taking it for granted. And so it leads me to, to hear and just being a man of God and man of character and loving, respecting people. So I, I appreciate you uh, talking about it. Now, it. Usually that comes like later in life, not while you're in your twenties and still trying to stay in major league baseball. I have the video of the amount of fans that wait in line before a game. And my wife kind of follows the sports, you know, not. And I came back and I showed her and she goes, he does that before the game. I said, yeah, he does that before the game. When did that start? I don't, I've never, I've been covering major league baseball like 30 years. I've never seen a player that does that for that long. You know, 1998, the Rays became an expansion team in, in the big leagues. In 98, I was four years old. I grew up 20 minutes from here in Seminole, Florida. I grew up coming to these baseball games as a kid rooting for the Rays, right? The Devil Rays. What was one thing Brett Phillips as a kid wanted to do when he came to these games? Well, I was talk to a baseball player. I wanted to I wanted to get an autograph. Like that was that I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And now that I've been given the platform to do so, oh, 100% I'm going to take advantage of that because I don't forget where I came from. I don't forget why I fell in love with this game in the first place. And that's how we should look at it, right? To pour back into the next generation. So if there's one kid that stops in Brett Phillips line and becomes a major league baseball player in the next 15 years, he's going to remember how to go about his business. He's going to remember what I did for him. And he's hopefully going to go about his business the same way of, you know, pouring back, loving people and showing people what it actually is to be a professional athlete, not just, take, 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 you know, once you get here, yeah, you put in a lot of work to get here, but you have a responsibility, right? Like you are in the public, you are on a, a, a pedestal. So, you know, it's, again, it, it's, it comes super easy and natural for me. I know uh, a lot of guys don't have that mindset and they all have their different reasons. There's no right or wrong way of being a professional athlete. For me, this is how I w- want to present myself and go about my business. Now, obviously, the amount of publicity, man, the, the, the Chloe story. And if you didn't know, like, Chloe is an eight-year-old girl. She's been battling cancer for years. She threw out the first pitch. She gave Brett her bracelet. Uh, Brett put it on. And then he hits uh, the longest ball that he's ever hit. He hits a home run. And she is being interviewed live on Bally's by Patricia Whitaker. Oh my God, man. Oh my God. (laughs) Crazy. I mean, it it just hits you right in the heartstrings. And when I say, you know, that's Chloe's story, right? Like for me, I'm just a part of it. And when I say earlier in the podcast, like God has shown up for me more times than not, that's another way of God kind of winking and saying, Hey, like Philly, you know, that's what my nickname, you're, you're going about your business the right way, right? Like you were able to bless this little girl, pour into her, 
from a small gesture of going and saying hi to her, taking the time to literally, I, I just went up to her and I didn't know that I was her favorite player. Oh, so prior, prior to prior that, what she threw, you did not know. No, no, no. no. So prior to me, th- like her throwing out the first pitch, we get a group text the night before saying, Hey, you know, we, we want to do more. The Rays want to do more in, in the community since the past two years with COVID. We haven't really been able to interact with people. We're having a war, the warrior of the day on Tuesday. Um, and it's a Chloe. She's uh, eight years old battling cancer for the second time. If you want to, you know, say hi to her, you can. And I read that and this is my community, right? Like I take a lot of pride. It's not only the Tampa Bay Rays, but this is my hometown. That's someone I want to go out of my way and just see what she's, you know, give her, pour into her. So I go out there and she has these gifts waiting for me. My name on a softball, like you're my favorite player. Thank you so much. And I'm like looking around to see if I have the right girl who's battling cancer because she is just so upbeat. She's got a smile on her face, right? You would never know. And that was perspective for me. Like regardless of what, you're going through in your life. Like you have a little girl who's battling cancer for the second time, who's projecting love and, and good energy, even though the circumstances in her own life are telling her differently. Right. She could easily project like hate and, you know, like, uh, Oh, like I, you know, the world's out to get me, but she didn't. And next thing you know, I hit a ball at 108 miles an hour. It was the hardest ball I've hit in my career. And what got stuck up here in this C ring, uh, not even the lowest ring, the, C, that, the, the high one up there. I mean, He's pointing right now. We're sitting, we're sitting here down the right field line. Yeah, I think it would have literally hit the back wall if it didn't oh, get stuck. So they, you know, they, they got the ball down and we were able to, my wife and I were able to go over there and surprise her with the ball and also give her the gifts. And hopefully, you know, she, I just want her to know, like, people are, like, praying for her and supporting her through this. Like, she can, she doesn't have to be so strong all the time, but I just, uh, you know, what a what a sweet little girl. And I, I really hope things, you know, work out for the best for, for that family because she's just, um, what an inspiration to us all, you know, and I, and I'm going to make it a point to keep up. I got her dad's number. So I'm going to shoot them a text once, once a week or once every couple of weeks to check in on Chloe. This, this story doesn't end here. Um, so yeah. Now baseball wise, you've got this, the baseball is fun and you like to have fun. Now you got to, you, you know how it goes. It is a business. Yep. So you've got to, got to produce. I had Dallas Braden on my podcast two weeks ago. Oh my God. What a good dude. And he, after that went on his podcast, like he, Dallas is my favorite. I mean, uh, Brett is my favorite player <laughs> yeah. by far, but you, you, you got to perform, yep. but you also baseball is fun. Where, where, where do that, where, where did that come from? You know, I, I think so it came from the World Series after the walk-off hit in my interview I said it without even knowing I said it I said man baseball is fun and that night and for a couple weeks like people thought that was the coolest statement ever they're just like yes baseball is fun and I think I know I don't think I know there is an issue I guess call it a pandemic and at the youth level of sports where fam families are putting way too much pressure on their kids to be here, be there. And there's, it's, it's, it's a lot. And, you know, as we get older, the pressure of the competition, the pressure of, 
the political side of things, the pressure of the business, like that's going to creep in as it is. There's no point of drawing or give, like giving extra pressure from, you know, and I never had that growing up. My parents were always go happy, go lucky. If I did bad, it doesn't matter. What are we doing for, for dinner that night? Like they never tried to coach. They never, they let the coaches coach and regardless of a win or loss or good or bad, they kept everything just, and I never developed that habit of putting pressure on myself from my parents so back to my statement, baseball is fun. It's almost like a movement, right? Like remembering why your kid started playing baseball in the first place, reminding him that, you know, regardless if you do good or bad, enjoy it, have fun. And again, there is a level of professionalism in every night that I take the field when I'm in between the lines, I'm giving a hundred percent. No one can ever question Brett Phillips work ethic or how he's, playing the game or respecting the game because there's always going to be that level of professionalism. But when I, when the opportunity presents itself to have fun in a professional way, I'm going to take advantage of it because I never want to have, I never want to regret, regret, like you're never going to regret at the end of the end of your career saying, man, I had way too much fun. No, you're going to regret. Like, why did I put so much pressure on myself? I could have enjoyed it a little more. And I say that because 10 years of being in professional baseball, I know the other side of guys who have retired or got released who, you know, said, man, I I wish I would have enjoyed myself a lot more than what I did. So this, this leads into the, uh, the pitching, the pitching when you went out there, that was, and if you don't know, just, just Google it, go to YouTube, Brett Phillips on the mound. Oh my God. It was great. Now, was is that was that just you? Was that just how you warm up? How you are on the mound? Were you were you conscious of how you were doing it? Oh, yeah, no, that's when 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 you have an opportunity to do something that a no one has any expectations over you, right? So that's the first thing. You're on a major league baseball field and no one expects you to do good. That's the only opportunity in your career you'll get to do that. So I took full advantage. Me throwing the way I do, that motion is so, if someone like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hits a ball at 120 miles an hour back in my head, I'm, a, I'm in an athletic position to catch the ball, right? So like if I throw it, I'm not turning my back to the, the hitter. And everyone thinks that's just the funniest thing ever. And it's like, no, I'm protecting myself. And then for the sliding catch and things like that, I want to win. Right. Like regardless, if we're down 10 runs, you can't you can't take I'm, it's not like I can downshift and go into third gear from six. Like, no, like if I want a baseball field, I'm in sixth gear and I'm trying to win. I'm going 100 percent regardless of what I'm doing. So I know uh, people find it super funny and it, it is. But at the same time, like I am trying, I, I'm trying my best out there with what I what I am given. You know, Cash said, don't throw it hard you're not a pitcher. Don't get hurt. So I had to lob the ball and that, yeah. So this is a great time. Now you start out, you know, where you got drafted, you, you elected, you could have gone to college, I think NC State, State, but boom, you got right into it. You got right into the pros. Boom, boom, boom. You know, the teams. And now here you are on your, can you believe that? Like being able to play and for this organization, back to back AL East, low payroll. I mean, how about that? Again, God's showing up for me more times than I'm playing major league baseball in my hometown for a team that I grew up rooting for 
going to the game, selling newspapers, the the Tampa St. Petersburg Times outside the stadium as a nine year old to get into the stadium with my team. Like, how much more blessed can Brett Phillips be? So, with that statement said, I have a responsibility to bless others through what I've been given, and that's what it boils down to. Not forgetting where where I'm where I came from, you know, always giving praise always being thankful and grateful and just watching this story play out right in front of me, how it is like, you can't tell me to live my life any other way than just giving love and respect to everyone I meet, regardless if they deserve it or not. It doesn't matter. You're not going to tell me because of what's happened in my life. This is how I'm going to go about my business. All right. So it's bottom of the ninth inning of this podcast. I always ask everybody, what advice do you give? What advice do you give to maybe a young kid that's in the game or just life advice? What, what is your best advice? I got four things. You're a kid who's aspiring to be a professional athlete because there's a lot of, you know, boys and girls out there doing so. One, you got to take care of your grades in school. You're not going to play at the next level, uh, whether it's high school or college or professionally, if you can't. You know, I'm not saying be a straight A student, but A's, B's, and C's, you need to take care of your grades. That's number one. Number two, you need to respect everyone around you, whether it's your classmates, your teammates, your teachers, because first of all, that's the right way of going about your business. But second of all, you never know how those people are going to show back up in your life. And you always want to be on the receiving end of good compliments on how you treated someone, right? Like, as a major league baseball player in my hometown, think about if I didn't go about my business the right way as a kid, how much, how many people out there would be rooting against me because of how I treated them in middle school and high school. Oh, that dude was, he was a bad dude. Like, so keep that in mind. Like, you know, as I know you're a kid and you're learning things out, but it doesn't take effort to treat someone with love and respect. Third thing, work hard. Whatever you're doing, you have to put the time and effort. You have to make sacrifices to be the best that you can be. And if that's something you choose that you want to do, then do it 100% because that's how you're going to have no regrets when it's all said and done. And you're going to get the best out of yourself and the people around you. So work hard. And last thing, have fun. Sports are fun. Never forget why you started playing sports in the first place. And as competition arises, as you get older and you know, uh, stuff starts to kind of cloud the the way you, you know, you remember of it being in the first place. Go back to the basics of reminding yourself to, to have fun. And, you know, I that's how I got to where I'm at today, of course, with a unbelievable group of support system from friends and family and community. And I just am so blessed. But, uh, yeah, that's what I got. There's no better. Brett Maverick Phillips. He's the best. He's the best. Thank you, Brett. Thank you. So can you tell like he's just, there's he, see, he's special and he's like, I've been blessed. So how can I not bless other people and, and, and give back? I, he's figured it out. I'm still at this age, really still trying to figure out life. Should I do more? You know, what should I do? What, what is my legacy going to be, you know? What, what is it, you know? When, you, when you're faced with, uh, you know, I had a guest on here 
whole couple of weeks back, he's a low, he's a talk show host in Tampa Bay named Drew Garabo, and he is battling cancer. And uh, I'm praying for him. Just hope that he, you know, you know, he's very, very strong. He's upbeat. It's a battle. It's an uphill battle. And he said when he first got the word, when he, like you have cancer, testicular cancer, but you got cancer, he's like, wow, all these things go through your love mind. You start thinking like, what's my legacy? What's my legacy? Drew's younger than me. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. And, 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 and Brett Phillips here is 28 years old and he's figured it out. Unbelievable. So here's how it all went down. I knew the story about him and Chloe, the little girl with cancer. And that was unbelievable. I remember that. And it wasn't until CBS Morning News did a, did, did, did a nice feature on him and Chloe. And I saw it. It popped up on social media, on my news feed. See? There, I'll tell my wife there's something good. She's like, oh, you and your social media. Why? Just be uh, concentrating on us and our family. Well, there are good things that can come out of it. Because I saw that story and I was driving to Tropicana Field to cover a Rays series. And I was like, what about Brett Phillips? He would be a great guest. Boom. Light went on. So I get to the trop. I do what I got to do for my duties for the free press. And then uh, I saw him. And I was standing near the dugout. It was pregame. He was walking out. He had a headband on. He had the baseball is fun t-shirt. He had a baseball is fun t-shirt when, when we did this podcast. Again, he loves that. And hashtag baseball is fun. And anyway, he was walking towards me and he looking and I smiled and he started grinning. And I'm like, maybe he recognized me because I was on local TV for 18 years and he grew up here and cable at the time. A lot of people had bright house cable and all that jazz. But anyway, he gave me the fist bump and I thought maybe he recognized me, but I said, Brett, my name is Rock Riley. I've been around I got a podcast next series. I'm going to come the next series on a Tuesday. You think we could do something? And he's like, yeah, sure. Whatever, whatever you need, man. Boom. So I know how that goes. You know, sometimes people just say that, you know, yeah, 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 sure, 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 sure. And then that's it. So I wait till the next series. It's on a Tuesday. It's day game. I get there way in advance when the clubhouse opens. I had spoken. So I don't need to give too many details, but I go in the clubhouse. I'm waiting. Everybody's waiting around the media. I see him at his locker. He he grabs his glove. He had been talking to another uh, player right in the, the locker next to him. And he came by me and I said, Hey Brett, you want to, can we do that now, man? And, you know? And he goes, Oh yeah, hold on. I got to sign something. I got to sign something. And I said, Oh, okay. No problem. I'll follow you. You don't want to let him out. Of, you don't want to let him out of your clutch, your grab. So he went into this office. that's right in the clubhouse and I'd let him do, you know, I, I was one trying to watch, but he was signing like a bat and he was signing some other stuff and he was in there for a little bit. So he came back out and I know how it goes. Everything is on a schedule. When you are a major league player, there's a certain time where you got to do this. You got to stretch at this time. You got a long toss at this time. You got to take BP at this time uh, in this group. And then you got to get back in and get changed. You do whatever you got to do. And then he, like every, everything is structured, you know, and, and some jabroni like me, you know, on the fly, it might throw it off. I'm going to see how it goes. So anyway, he goes, he comes out and I said, all right. And he goes, I just got to, I just got to put this in my locker. I said, no problem. So he took this envelope, went to his locker, came back out, and I said, can we just do it out in the hallway, man? Because if you do it in the clubhouse, there's other media there. And sometimes it's fair game. Like if I'm interviewing somebody, somebody else will come in. And then I've done it. And he goes, no, we'll go outside. And he goes, let's go out and sit down. Let's go sit in the stands. 
And I'm like, oh, that is music to my ears. So we go out, walk all the way down. He leaves his glove down. We walk past the right uh, field, right side dugout, first base side dugout. We keep walking, keep walking. And I remember there's a net, you know, there's a net that goes all the way down now in the outfields. And um, we go underneath and you, you see how a person treats the everyday worker, the security guard someone that cleans the place, maintenance worker, grounds crew, whatever. Brett knows him. How you doing, man? How's it going? Boom, boom. There's a security guard there. Boom. Gives, how you doing? You doing okay today, man? Gives him a fist bump. Like it's just his nature. He's that good of a guy. And then we sat down and I made sure my recorder was recording. Hit that button, man. See that red. I looked down a couple of times when he was giving me such good stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, to make sure I'm recording this dang thing. Yes, 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 yes. Let me look down. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I will admit to you guys, I've been doing this a little over a year now. There have been at least two really good interviews that I have not recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm human, you know? And so when it's outside, it's sunny, it's hard to see. Is there a red light on? I thought I pushed it. But no excuse. But anyway, I had to make sure a couple times because he was giving me such good stuff. But isn't that something? Where at 28, he's figured it out and he's, it's as important to stuff off the field. So it's incredible. So Brett Phillips, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And then sure enough, a couple of games after that, that I interviewed him, boom, came through with the clutch. He was the MVP in the game, Brett Maverick Phillips. Another funny story, Kevin Kiermeyer. Now he's an outfielder with the Rays. He's blessed with defensive prowess, man. He's got a couple of gold gloves. He's got speed. He wishes his hitting was better. He told me, he goes, sometimes you got to deal with the cards that you're dealt. I wish my hitting was as good as my defense, but I, and he works at it, but he's just, he's blessed defensively. And so I, what do you hear this? So this, this is how good, this is baseball. This is life. So I might have told this first part of the story earlier. On a, last week or the week before, I saw him, Kevin Kiermaier, before the game, and I'm on the field, and he's down by the first base dugout, but he's just in the stance, and he's got a bat, and he's just working on his swing, like his his mechanics, or put his you know elbow up, and he was doing, and I, I caught his eye, and I went, like my finger, I went, like I, like I see you, boom, boom, and I pointed like a home run, and he just like gave me a nod, and that was that. So then he finished doing what he was doing. He walked by and I said, hey, Kevin, you still got the same agent, Mike? Because I know his agent, Mike. He had done something for me years ago. And he goes, yeah, I do. It's modest. Ah, tell him Rock said hello. Whatever. whatever. And he just kept going. So he hit a home run in that game that I just saw him went boom, boom. Just coincidence. But I was like, oh, look at that, man. I saw Kiermaier posting. He normally doesn't hit dingers and he hit a dinger. So. Fast forward to this day at the TROP when I'm interviewing Brett Phillips, I saw Kiermaier and I needed to do a story for my Tampa Free Press. And I'm like, let me do something with Kiermaier. So I said, uh, hey, Kevin, you got two seconds, man. Just two quick questions. He goes, come on, let's go right now. Let's go do boom. We go to his locker, boom, ask him a couple questions, boom, boom. And then was done. I said, Kevin, do you remember the other day after you had that, that, that great uh, hit? that uh, I saw you that day pregame and I pointed like to the stands for a home run. And he's like, huh? And I'm like, oh my God, he doesn't remember. 
<laughs> he doesn't remember. I, he goes, what, the catch? The day I had the catch? Like two days prior, he had a Willie Mays over the shoulders basket catch. I said, no, no, not the catch. When you hit the dinger, opposite field. And he goes, oh. And I said, remember I said, hey, is your agent still Mike? He goes, oh, I do remember that. But I said, I thought that was so cool, man. I said, boom, boom. And you point, you hit the home run. So I gave him a fist bump. That same night, he had a blunder in the outfield. And here I just interviewed him on his great defense. And so it works both ways. Here I am thinking, oh, I saw him and I gave that motion. He hit the home run. How about that? Well, the day that I said, oh, you're a great defense and we do this interview. And then he has a catch where he misjudged the ball. So it's just baseball. It's life. And it's fun being back in a clubhouse and being around players again, even though there has been an outbreak lately with that team and especially those in the, in the office. All righty. I want to, I want to just give a little thanks here uh, to a radio show in Tampa. It's called the Pat and Aaron show and their middays on 620 WDAE. We used to call it the sports animal but I'm not, that's old school. It's 95.3 FM and 620 WDAE. I go on their show once a month, every last Friday. It's that time of the month. And then they started busting me and I got my all and I played along like my stomach hurts, but I'm hanging in there today. Like it's my time of the month. You know what I mean? And you got to go with it. But I get along with these guys so good. They have great chemistry. They are best friends. And the day that I was going on, well, it was actually today, but you're hearing this next week. I was driving and I like to listen to the hour prior to me going on because that's why I know what they're talking about. Kind of get the feel when I'm driving there. And they had on Mike Golick Jr. Mike Golick Jr. is the son of Mike Golick for a long time. Mike and Mike, uh, they had a show together since then, father and son and another guy. And then both are on DraftKings. But my point is, Mike Golick Jr. on this show now, that a new podcast that he's doing, and with these betting sites, they got all the money, man. That's where it's going. You see what they gave McAfee? All FanDuel and now DraftKings. But, uh, you know, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Um, but he, he was doing, you know, and he, so I was driving and listening, and he was like, and Pat said, what, what, what are we going to, what are we going to hear in this new podcast, Mike Golick Jr.? And he's like, Pretty much what we've been doing, like having fun, like two guys just talking over some beers and sports and having fun. I mean, isn't that what it's about? And he said, we were roommates. We played on the same football team at Notre Dame and we were roommates in college. And now fast forward, they've been doing a show and now they're being paid a lot of money by DraftKings to do a podcast and they were roommates in college and they are best friends. How isn't that unbelievable? And I was just thinking about it in all my years in TV and in radio, there are so many times where you end up doing a show with someone that if you weren't doing the show, you would not be hanging out with, or you wouldn't have, you don't have anything in common. Now, look, it's a business you can't expect to always have your best friend. Sometimes it's not a good idea to go into business or a venture with your best friend. Am I right? 
But if you both don't have an ego, like this Pat and Aaron, they bust on each other. It isn't like, oh, you're saying more. Oh, you're the lead, this or not. No, man. And it comes through. It comes through on the air. And they just have a good time. They got this young producer. He'd been writing to them, wanting to move from Georgia to work at this station, WDA, for years. And he kept after it. And he got it. And they all get along. And they all jive. And it makes life so much better. And I just started thinking about it. Like, I just started going back. Like, there's been some shows where I'm like, oh, my God, man. But you got to make it work because it's called business. But I just think that, you know, because there, I can segue into the NFL draft. There are, you know, you can study X's and O's. You can study what a player does with his 40 time or his vertical. Or now everything is so broken down into analytics. And you're going to try to project how he's going to do on the next level. But sometimes it comes down to old fashioned is the kid a hard worker? Go back to his high school days. Did he get along? Is he an asshole? Is he a selfish jagoff? You know, and no matter how talented he is, how good is he going to be and be able to make it to the top? You see what I'm saying? And I think when you're putting together a show, you're in different shows, you really should weigh in the factor of the chemistry thing, man. Would they be, would they hang out, you know? Now, there's, there's other, you know, there's another way to look at it. I don't want to go actually into a venture or a, with my best friend. I have a, a, a couple, I got two, I would say right now, currently like best friends. One of them is a longtime friend, Whitney from here in Tampa. And he has wanted to do a show with me for years. Now we've filled in and doing something with each other. But he's got one strong philosophy. I got another one. I want to do it this way. And neither one is wanting to give in. You know, Whitney wants to spend a long time on doing a long poem, like a ball-busting, hysterical poem. He'll spend all day on it. That's the one thing. Where I know I want to, I got, I'm going to do all the research and figure out all this other stuff. That's only one thing. But he, no, we're going to do it this way. No, I want to do it this way. And I don't think it would work. You know, I went into business with a good friend of mine and it was a land deal and the land deal did not work. And it was going on maybe 10 years. I was losing a lot of money, man. And then finally, thank you. Habitat for Humanity bought the land and it was a, sh uh, now I still lost a little bit, but it stopped the bleeding, but I had been friends and would party and hang with this guy and he's a good man, but it started going bad. And then I thought that, Oh, and this and that, and we had a dis, you know, Ooh, man. So you see what I'm saying? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes you, you don't want to go into business with your best friend. That's not a good idea. Things don't work, but here I am telling you best friends, chemistry, whatever. But I want to thank Pat and Aaron show uh, for putting me on because no other sons of bitches out there, uh, put me on <laughs> and they have, and I appreciate that. Um, oh, 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 here's another thing that just, I, it just drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. Do you get know-it-alls that they think, oh, they know that they are right. 
and they are not even connected into what you do, yet they have the right answer and you can't tell them anything. I am running into that more and more. And it mostly is opinions, opinion on sports, stuff that I'm covering. One example is Brady. I cover the Buccaneers. I'm at the facility at one buck. I talk to people that work inside that facility that are there and what they see and are around the goat. Uh, and I see with my own eyes from practice, and we're going to be able to start watching again and getting players off the field here in a couple of weeks at these OTAs and then the mandatory mini camp. It's back. Thank God. I hope. I hope it stays like this. Oh, my God. But I get it's either at the bar, sports bar or there's a the supermarket that we have in the, in where I'm living in Florida is called Publix. And there is a bagger, a guy that collects carts outside. Now, he's formerly from New York. He's not from this country. He is the biggest sports fan and fanatic and knows way more than I do. He studies everything. He rattles off statistics and he rattles off names and he just, he studies. He does study. I will say that. Like he knows players, he knows who standings, he he keeps up with it. I will tell you that. But when he when I go to this supermarket, Publix, sometimes I gotta look down the aisle like, is is Dennis here? Oh my god, because I just don't feel like talking today. Like I, I just, you know, I just came from the facility or I've been on a show. I just been talking, especially when I had a radio show and I would do several hours and then I'd go to Publix and then I'd see him and he would just want to boom. He follows me to my car. He follows me in the aisles and it's just, he's got an opinion. He's a New York fan. He's from Queens. He doesn't want to give the Tampa Bay uh, teams credit at all, but that's fine. I don't mind any of that. But today I was at Publix and he's rattling off everything and he will not give Brady or the Bucks credit. He just won't. And so I said to him today, I said, hey, man, finally, you know, he was going on and on about the Rangers and he's going on and on about the Mets. And yes, the Jets had a good draft pick. Yes, I had a draft. Yes, they did. It, and all this and that. And he's going off on this and that. And he studies. He studies. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally I said, hey, man, are you going to give it up to, for Brady? He's back again, man. He's going to, he's like, oh, well, yeah, he'll probably do it again. But here, you know, he, here's the deal. You know, he went, he was going to go to San Francisco. Well, may, I'm thinking maybe he was. No, no, no. Dennis knows. He is a bagger of Publix. No, he knows. No, it's adamant. He was going to San Francisco and then he called up Jason Licht. Well, his name is Jason Light, who is the general manager of the Buccaneers. But he goes, he called up Jason Licht. And Lick said, look, we ain't letting you go to San Francisco. We ain't letting you go to Miami. If you want to come back here, you got to play here. And Brady thought, well, if I can't go to San Francisco, I can't go to Miami. What the hell? I guess I will come back here. Okay, I'll go back here. Now, you know what? Maybe Dennis is right. Maybe Dennis is right. But then he starts going on. He goes, oh, man, Arians, he needs to go. Oh, he, he's the problem. He's the problem. This and that, this and that. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I go, I try to start telling him what I know, and I can't get a word in. 
No. And here he is with all these carts. He's taking them from the cart corral and he's lining them up at the parking. This is, is, it's a public sitting this. It's called boot ranch here where I live. And he is adamant. And I'm like, he's a bagger. How, what's his source? How does he know? Oh my God. And you know what? I just said to myself, let him go. And you know what? Maybe he's right about some things, but I can't get a word in edgewise. And here's another thing. I just got to get this off my chest. I don't know. I Like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's a lot on Facebook. I get more comments on Facebook. I don't get as many on Twitter, but oh my God. All I did the other day was post. It was, it was going back about a week. It was the Red Sox and the Rays at Tropicana Field. And it was on a Sunday day game. And they had about 22,000 or something like that. Like it was a nice crowd. And I just posted that picture. Yeah, it was 20. It was like 20 or 21,000 here. There was 20,000 on the same night at Amelie Arena. There was a Kenny Chesney concert at Raymond James Stadium. And that was a sellout, 58,000 and change. And, and I just, that's all I did. I posted video. I said, wow, Champa Bay, this is the place to be. Look at 20,000 here, 20,000 at Amelie, 58,000 for the con- Kenny Chesney concert. And then I had a friend of mine go, hey, there was 6,000 at Star Wars night in Clearwater for minor league uh, Phillies, Threshers game. And I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. Like, there's a lot going on. And we got a lot of population here now. Everybody's moving here. And people are out and about. That's all I did. So I got a comment, you know, one of these comments. And usually I'd let it go. But he's like, yeah, and it was nothing but Red Sox fans. Yup. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. No, it was not. Yes, there were a lot of Red Sox fans, but there was more than half Rays fans. I was there. I posted video. I walked around. And I just said to him, I, all I did was I go, that's not true. There were Rays fans at the game. And he just, you know, no, no, you're wrong. And besides, it's a sorry-ass franchise that cannot draw. Yeah, they do good on the field, and it's a joke, and they're going to go back to their 5,000 once the Red Sox are out of town. Am I right? Give me facts. Give me facts, Rock Riley. I'm like, give me facts. I was there. Like, where's your video? Were you there? It was not. The video that I have of of, uh, Brett Phillips signing, that long-ass line is all Rays fans. Now, granted, it's on the right side of the, the Tropicana field, but I shouldn't let this get to me. But once in a while, it's like, no, you're wrong, man. And I was there. And this guy starts are going on. You did not give me facts. You know, go on and on. You're wrong. You know, no, you're wrong. You didn't give me facts. Am I not right? there? And I said, we all know the attendance story. We're not, I'm not saying that. And he goes, so then finally, I, I couldn't take it anymore. He goes, he's trying to nice. He goes, rock. You are a star in Tampa Bay covering sports, but you can't win them all. And you lost this argument. And I'm like, argument. All I posted was the attendant, nice attendance at three places. All I said was, you're wrong that it was only Red Sox fans there. And I just said, listen. Oh, I even said, go somewhere else. No, no, no. That was to somebody else. And I just, I was like, goodbye. Boom. Block. Block. And, uh, 
oh, there's another guy, man. Anytime I post a raise, a baseball thing, he's got to put one of those memes, boring. Like, I get it. Baseball can be boring. It, it's slow. I, I understand. No problem there. He did it again, and he did it again. And actually, is this the same guy that keeps doing this? And this is on my Facebook page. Listen, these are my teams. This is my livelihood, man. This is what I'm covering here. You know, go somewhere else. So I even just said to him, I said, dude, you got to stop being negative, man. Every time I post a baseball thing, all you do is put boring. I get it. You think baseball's boring. Go somewhere else. And he gives me one of these emojis, like a laughing, but like a wise ass, like, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, oh, my God. So anyway, I just had to get this off my chest. I don't really usually let it get to me, but it just cracks me up. The confidence that some people have when they're not there and they're, oh, oh, they're, uh, you know what? I just thought of another, another situation on Facebook. I, it's just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue on. I'm not going to continue on. All righty. Um, Yes. Oh, now the NFL draft, the NFL draft. Here we are 2020. We are in the age of technology and analytics. It still is a crapshoot on how a player is going to go from college to the NFL. It still is. And you know what? I hope it stays that way because I mean, you would think, you know, it's, you just don't know. Some people peak. I bet you, you, you don't, you know, don't, you know, of people, guys, I'm talking specifically guys, uh, that played sports when you were in high school. Maybe it was even like in little league or pop Warner or middle school basketball, or if you were in wrestling, whatever it is. And they were like studs, studs. They were the, they were star. They were like, shit, they're good. And they never materialized, never materialized. There are some that you may have played against that were good, but you're like, wow. They ended up having a long major league baseball career or an NFL career or, or, you know what I mean? Right. Right. It really still is a crapshoot. Even to this day of all the studying that they do. And it's funny, these mock drafts and here's my mock, here's my mock. It's almost like your fantasy team. I don't care. I, I, you know, I know I get, is it, is it that popular or is it a niche thing? Do you study? I, I look at, I glance at some just to see what's going on. I got to here for the, my job or from what I'm doing, but you know, these guys will be like, here's my mock, my mock. And on my board and my board, my mock, well, who, who are you? I don't, who are you? I mean, general managers, NFL scouts can't get it right. It's almost like the weather. You know, meteorologists, you know, it's, cl it's closer. The technology, five, seven days out, being able to predict, and sometimes still, you know, 50% chance of rain today. Don't get a drop or 70% 70, 70, 70 chance of rain. Don't get anything. You know, it still is somewhat of a crapshoot. Okay, here, now, let me, let me tell you about this earlier today. I had a lot of action today. So I'm coming back from the radio station. 
Um, it's about a half hour, 35 minute drive on uh, Gandhi Boulevard in Tampa to where I live. And it's a, just a typical day, afternoon day. It's probably about three o'clock in the afternoon, 245, something like that. And I'm coming home and I'm coming off of this highway and I'm going, it's uh, I'm going to make a left at this light and here comes a car. Now, have you heard about these wrong, wrong way drivers? It happens a lot here in Tampa Bay and it usually is late at night and it's usually on pretty busy highways. I four, I two seventy five. Well, this is a little uh, ramp that you get off of this McMullen Booth Road to go down and then left on this Tampa Road. So it's a, it's a little road. And here is a wrong way driver, not fast, coming at us, these cars. And everybody's moving over. And she goes by and she's going the wrong way. And she's a, an elderly woman. And you could tell she's either, it's either Anheuser. She got confused. She's not going fast and we're all just pulling to the side, but she's going the wrong way. And I was like, "Mm." now, you know, normally I'm like, "Eh, somebody else will deal with it. Somebody, whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I actually, I have only called 911 like one time. Thank God so far I haven't had to. But how many times have you called 911? Is it a lot? Did you have a jag-off neighbor or something like that? Oh, my God. I can understand that. But anyway, and I just pulled over, pulled over. And she was going slow, but she just kept on going. And she's going to be heading the wrong way to this highway. And I was at the light, and I got my phone out, and I'm like, I can't, I can't go home without seeing if she's okay. I got to do so. So I, I, at the light, I made a left and then I made another left and got back out on the highway just to see if she was still going the wrong way. Was she off to the side? And I was just going to call 911. But when I got back out on the highway and I looked all over and I drove and I didn't see her. So hopefully nothing happened, but there comes a time where you, you know, I just, I got, I don't think I could live with myself and, and I don't know what happened. She must've realized that she was going the wrong way and then turned the right way going up on the highway. I don't know. I remember a long time ago when I was in my twenties and I was driving in New Jersey in uh, on a highway in Newark. And I was really busy and going somewhere where I had to be, whether it was a story or a shoot or somewhere. And I remember seeing a car just go up and over and tumble down uh, an embankment like three, four, five times. And I was just like, holy crap. And... I made a U-turn. I didn't call right away. And then there was already some cars stopped. There was already, I think, by the time I turned around, an ambulance and everything was okay. But I didn't, you know, it's just, sometimes it's just like shocking, you know, when you see that. Now, there was a time years and years ago when I was going to the radio station 
that same radio station that I was at today, WDAE. And I used to live just on the other side of the bridge uh, in St. Pete and it's called Gandhi Boulevard. And I was driving on that and it was just a typical day. I was going to work at like two o'clock and these two guys, two young dudes were in a car right next to me and I had the air conditioning on. So I had the windows up and I was probably listening to some tunes and I thought I heard firecrackers and I looked and right next to me, a guy was leaning out and he was like, pow, 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 pow. And he was shooting at the car in front of me. And I was just like, holy crap. Uh, and then I made my turn. I was right at the radio station on Gandy and I just turned, I turned in and I, that's what I remember. I cut it close. I had to do an update, uh, sports update in the afternoon. Maybe it was like three o'clock or something. I used to push it and I just went right in and I went right to do my update and, uh, I did my update and then I came out and one of the guys in the newsroom, I said, man, I just saw a dude. Uh, shooting at the car in front of me right here on Gandhi. He's like, you didn't call 911 yet? You gotta be kidding me. Call him right now. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And then I called 911 and the uh, dispatch said, oh, we've already got reports on the, it's now called like the Selman Expressway. There was another name for it. And then, uh, yeah, we got several reports. So this guy must've been a bad aim because he was still firing shots at the car in front of him once they got up on the ramp and they got up on this highway. But anyway, whatever. Thank God. If that's all it is, hopefully that older lady that was driving the wrong way is okay. Because later, and then I went up the road and when I got up the road, uh, there was two like ambulances that came out and I started thinking, Oh no, but I didn't see her. I didn't see her. She hopefully she turned it around. All right, whatever. Listen guys, my thanks to Brett Phillips, who is such a good man, such, 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 such a good man. And, uh, I hope everybody is just having a good time. We're, we're still, we're loving it down here because there's times where we can still sit outside without sweating too bad we're about at that period now <laughs> but uh wherever you're listening man i hope all is good hope all is good just just hang in hang in hang in things have a way of turning around if you're a good person you're gonna be all right all right so we'll see what we got next week and uh this is the rock stops here where am i gonna stop let's find out This is a Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida Quick Fix on Radio Influence. As I've always mentioned to you guys on all of my previous episodes, I'm always really excited when I get to connect with other like-minded individuals on Instagram. And today I am happy to have Jay join me. Jay is somebody who is very educated in the beer world. I wanted to ask you a little bit about beer culture because that is... Um, I noticed, you know, whenever I find somebody on Instagram, I kind of read up and see what they're up to. And so you're very involved with that. And I just wanted to kind of um, hear a little bit about beer culture and what they what they represent. Uh, well, I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, yes, it's it's a organization that was formed and it was formed through love and passion. Uh, beer culture is a nationally recognized nonprofit organization. And what we strive to do is to increase diversity. Uh, equality and, uh, and, and to include people within the craft beer community. Uh, the craft beer community in general 
has been exceptionally welcoming uh, to me from the beginning. I got into craft beer back in 2009. It was a completely different world back then. And it's exploded since then. Tampa Bay in particular is a huge beer city now. Uh, But as far as the diversity of the craft beer world, there's really not much there. And uh, there was a need to, to bring people together and bring them into this world that's so full of, of color and uh, so full of life and so full of variation when it comes to experience. Mm-hmm. Most people think of beer and they just think of like a Bud Light. They don't understand that beer can be anything from that to tasting like a Rocky Road uh, or tasting like a banana uh, sundae. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's just so much variation. It's a huge adventure every time. Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.